Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. Thanks for downloading my podcast. My name really is Rob Snow White. Today we're going to speak with Bill Asdall. He is with the Army-Navy Fly Fishing Tournament in Northern Jersey, and he's also a member of the New Jersey Parents Club for the U.S. Navy. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Turtle Box Audio. If you want to get your hands and ears on the best-sounding, most rugged and waterproof Bluetooth speaker on the market, go to turtleboxaudio.com and use the keyword Snow White, S-N-O-W-H-I-T-E, for 10% off your audio box. It is one of the easiest speakers to connect to via Bluetooth, and the sound is absolutely amazing. Now, this is the most spontaneous podcast I've ever done. I was not expecting to do a podcast today. I'd never heard of Bill today. I didn't even know there was an Army-Navy fly fishing tournament, and I just finished making sourdough dough for tonight, and my sourdough starter's name is Tina. So I was making Tina and I sat down to take a break and I was going through some of my social media and news feeds and I came across an Army-Navy fly fishing tournament that's coming up next weekend in New Jersey. So I sent just an inquiry email to Bill, who's on the website, and he calls me immediately back and we start talking and I said, this sounds like we need to do a podcast right now. And Bill said, all right, let's do it. And I walked downstairs and I generated a Zoom link and I sent it to him and he clicked on it. And we just completely made up this podcast ad hoc. I've been doing this for long enough that I can just sit down and knock out a solid and entertaining hour for all of you listeners. And I want to thank my listeners in Estonia because we're going to talk about you later. You guys are really good looking. This week's listener of the week is from Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Everyone give a round of applause to Mike Turner in Shepherdstown. If you are a veteran and you want to learn how to fly fish, there are programs around the country from Project Healing Waters Fly Fishing. Look up phwff.org and find the closest VA or sponsored event to where you live. And since we're talking about the Army, we're going to give a shout out to Kip Martin today, who is a graduate 25 years ago of West Point. Now, Bill tells us about his naval connections. We're not talking about belly button, folks. Get your mind out of the gutter. We're going to talk in-depth stream restoration, feeding flies to trout, and feeding potlucks to midshipmen, the fishery of the upper Raritan River, and Jersey fly fishing. November 5th is the main event, so if you're listening to this on time, please check it out. See if you want to go. If you want to donate something, just find the link on the podcast. And this is the one time a year where the Army Cadet Fly Fishing Club and the Navy Midshipmen Fly Fishers get together. 
The event is sponsored by First Command. So we're going to go up to New Jersey now and listen to this podcast that we made it up as we went along. So this is Bill Asdall. He says, go Navy. Bill, we're going to find out who you are and where you are. If we were to throw a, a dart at the map in New Jersey, where would we find you? Good afternoon, Rob. My name is Bill Asdell. I am in Northwest New Jersey. For those who think New Jersey is a drive-through and uh, such a postcard of the New Jersey Turnpike to have oil refineries and uh, high rises, we are just the opposite. We are uh, near Pennsylvania. Uh, Bears traverse the hillsides. We have a beautiful valley that hosts a watershed called the South Branch of the Raritan. And we'll get into uh, what we've done to that river, but uh, picture Northwest. I mean, it could be uh, the Poconos, it could be the Adirondacks, it could be West Virginia. Uh, it's gorgeous country. How far are you from Lancaster, where the podcast producer lives? Probably 75 minutes. Okay. Door to door. All right. Not bad. So you've got a Navy sweatshirt on. So I think that starts a lot of the conversation. What's your relationship with the U.S. Navy? I have uh, five daughters, four of whom went through the Naval Academy, three of whom married Naval Academy grads. Wow. So that's seven Naval Academy officers putting in almost 100 years of service uh, combined and uh, several are still active. Uh, a few are in the reserves, only two are out. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of Navy and I do have the pleasure of working with the New Jersey Parents Club uh, and we run a tailgate at Navy. Uh, as of uh, tomorrow, I will have attended 117 straight games and run what? Navy tailgating. And you can imagine in uh, since 05, uh, you get beat up a little bit here and there. I schlep all the equipment, pull a trailer, and I've actually mastered it to a point where it's down to six days a week in season. So it's tailgate one day, drive back, clean the trailer. Mondays are off. Tuesday is restock the trailer. Wednesday's shopping. Thursday's cook. Friday's back down. Saturday, we do it again. Uh, but what it is, is my your pleasure. What is your culinary expertise at these tailgates? What's the what's on the menu? Uh, my personal culinary expertise is schlepping equipment and cleaning. We have lots and lots of volunteers. Anywhere from fifty to eighty uh, parents will come out. Everything is home cooked. Uh, when I first took over running it, uh, they had themed weekends. And I said, we can't do that. They're too exclusionary. We don't need Southwest and All-American. What about the Korean moms and the you know, Taiwanese and, the, you know, across the world, these kids are coming from. And uh, we dropped all that. Now it is just straight up home cooked meals. Nobody is allowed to bring a plastic covered a tray of muffins from Costco. Just don't even do it. The kids don't want it, and and I sure don't. So it's amazing array we get. Uh, the Indian moms are bringing mangalesi. Uh, we've got uh, Korean pulled pork. We've got a guy brings Polish gobasi. Everything is just homemade, and the kids go crazy for it. We do about a thousand meals, all with no budget. That's fantastic. It's worth putting your eyes on. It's pretty special. That's New Jersey Parents Club, and uh, it's searchable. You can see some pictures of it. We'll have a link for it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So you're playing tomorrow at 3.30. Home game, Navy Marine Corps Stadium tomorrow. Uh, we're on the grounds by 8 in the morning, receiving food, getting set up, and uh, we're feeding uh, Drum and Bugle Corps, a marching band, Highland dancers, glee club, all before the game, concessionaires. Whenever the kids show up, we take care of them. There's a big march on, and after the game, it's dinner. So it's a substantive event. Okay. Oh, we forgot to ask your celebrity doppelganger when we started this. So for people that have never been in the Navy tailgate, 
who might not have met you, how can they picture you right now as they're listening in their car or on the way to the water? Well, that's an interesting uh, challenge. Um, I, I might suggest just the guy next door. I mean, there's nothing uh, celebrity about uh, what any of us do. We all serve. We serve in the fire company. We serve at the school board. We serve as a little league coach. I have the pleasure of serving Navy kids and yeah. Army Navy fly fishing. We're able to expand that. Uh, you know, America's backbone is is service and to one another. And uh, you could probably find me in every single neighborhood. Uh, we all do different things, but uh, uh, certainly an unspectacular uh, uh, profile and, and life. But uh, hopefully we're all doing our part to make America a little bit better. Yeah. Fantastic. So we're going to tie this into fishing. So how does the Navy meal organizer guy get recruits or how would you say it on the water fishing cadets uh that would be midshipmen midshipmen uh, yep cadets would be at uh west point for right. the army but yes cadets and midshipmen lots and lots of them so how do you how do you have fishing for them in new jersey so let's talk about how you got into fishing and, and how your life in the navy and fly fishing came together Fair question. Uh, I've been fly fishing probably since I was six or eight. Uh, my mom raised two boys and uh, she would take us bass fishing. And uh, the best part of the day was after dinner, going out in a little eight foot rowboat, uh, brother Bob on one end, me on the other. And we would use great big bass bugs and pound them against a rock that had bass swimming around it and there's fly fishing uh trout came a little later uh i did a fair amount and decades ago i got to go on some pretty exotic trips uh, they've kind of fallen off the radar but uh, i have uh, been in the building business for my whole life a challenged property became available it happened to be on a large parcel with nearly a mile of river and being a restoration i'll say expert in housing and i'd done six federal research projects on housing science uh this particular one took great interest i was able to buy it get title and not only do we clean up the house and create america's first zero energy remodel a literally a model for the country on how to uh, manage energy in buildings but here's this river going through it and we started a process to restore that as well uh, we affectionately call it disney world of fly fishing we had a fellow named joe urbani out of montana uh, design it and come out and build it five and a half years to get the permits which is insane but we did it and then not too long to get it excavated and worked and 340 boulders placed it is a spectacular piece of water uh, we run it as a private club shannon's private waters.com uh, we have a nice group of uh, devotees of fly fishing that participate we stock it regularly we take good care of it but the uh, quality of the water is just amazing we're only 13 miles from the headwaters which is bud lake and there are no impediments or pollution between the headwaters and us. So we've got lots and lots of hatches, great piece of water. You know, many streams will have a classic uh, central PA would have limestone creeks and it's the sulfur hatch. Well, on our piece of water, we might have five or six different hatches in an evening. So you're on your A game. We've got some really talented guys who are members. Tim Flagler, who I understand you know, is there. Mm -hmm pretty regularly shooting video uh, for Orvis and Tight Lines, which is his operating company. Um, a number of uh, pretty serious fly fishermen, about a third of them tie flies. And tying that back in, uh, I found a hole probably a decade or so ago 
in the market, and that was to create a statewide fly fishing event. And at the time, there were 10 TU chapters and several associated or affiliated groups. So we set up New Jersey State Fly Fisherman of the Year. I've got to tell you, initially, there was a little pushback. You know, fly fishing, it's too cerebral. It's too passive. It's about peace in the water. I said, are you kidding me? The first thing someone says is, what'd you catch? And it's how big? And what'd you use? Of course, it's competitive. And once we launched, it's taken right off. Uh, There are many searchable links. Uh, Tim Flagler does a nice video for us every year on New Jersey State Fly Fisherman of the Year. And then it took me a, a couple of years to pull together the fact that there is an outdoor club at Navy and there's a fly fishing club at West Point. Uh, Both have been really uh, spot on interested in the legacy of Army-Navy events and competition and and getting to shift that over to fly fishing has been an absolute pleasure to work with these folks. The, um, The kids and from uh, Annapolis have have been able to access Camp David and fish on their streams and and several other places with you and I and some of the listeners might not get into. So to bring them up is first of all an honor for us uh, to help round out their experience, but also give them a chance to get off the yard for a, a day, which is literally what it is, and then the. Uh, West Point folks who do get out and they're uh, up into Vermont and the central uh, Adirondacks a little bit more than the Navy kids uh, gives them a chance to exercise that Army-Navy competition and and get out on the water one more time. So the legacy is the fact that we restored the river and have a thread into these uh, military academies where there is great interest in uh, supporting these kids, pay it forward a little bit, give them a great experience, let them know the country loves them. There are many benefits that I hope we get to talk about for fly fishing uh, for everybody, but uh, it certainly applies to those who are going to be in the pressure cooker of a military might. Right. All right. I've got loads of questions now, but we'll work a little backwards. Is there a difference in angling styles, flies, anything between Army and Navy, would there do they fish differently? That's a great question. Uh, in year one, Navy, as I say, really had an outdoor club. Uh, they were struggling to find kids who had a fly rod with them. And I've had the pleasure with my kids down there of carrying a fly rod um, and fishing from the rocks. The, it's right there. on the water. You're right on the water. And, and it is when it floods, they're, they're right on the water. Too. White perch uh, in, oh, yeah. in this, right there off the rocks. And I had a blast a couple of nights uh, just going out and casting in the Severn, which maybe you wouldn't eat them, but there's just as fun to catch. And, uh, you know, of course, you get up to West Point and they are just right in the middle of beautiful mountain streams all around them, including several lakes they're on 2800 acres and navy is on i think it's 185 acres so the water is at the perimeter on one and the water is throughout their grounds at the other uh lots of access interesting all right so i want to go back now to stream restoration so it's a tailwater i'm used to seeing the raritan down low like oyster estuary type so i'm not can imagine how pretty it looks up there because it's pretty dreary downstream when one is designing a stream what characteristics are you looking for because you got to make the you got to make it yourself so i'm guessing deep pools riffles pocket water great bends to slow it down it is as complicated as you think it might be And like you imagine, how do you do this? Uh, Manipulate the stream bed is probably a good blanket to throw over the concept. And let's start with a couple of things, which is exactly what you're asking. What are you trying to do? You're trying to get the water to move faster. You're trying to get the water to aerate. 
you're trying to create more holding places. Uh, we put in 340 boulders that came out of a townhouse uh, construction site. Uh, so well, I got them donated. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You don't want to be buying those. That would be a an issue. But I had a friend who was an excavator, and he got permission to take them. And we rented dumpsters and trackos on both sides of where they were and where they were going to move them around. But you know, we got them, and uh, the design is what's a curiosity. There's several really good companies out there. Uh, who can do this. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. One of whom owns one, he's now a member of, of the club. But uh, first thing to note is you're not outside the stream banks at all. 100% of the restoration is in the stream itself. You're not touching the banks. And whatever is excavated then becomes useful as material on the sides to tighten the river. So we went from probably on average 40 feet wide to maybe 28. And a couple areas are a little bit wider, but not much. And what happens is you are making the river go to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. You're actually lengthening what is called the thaw wig, which is where you see the bubbles go. Watch the bubbles. And by manipulating the stream bed to go left, to go right, to go left, to go right. You're actually lengthening the amount of flow rather than flat. We had one section that was about 800 feet long, uh, 40 feet wide and a foot deep. That's not going to hold any trout whatsoever. So by manipulating it, maybe now it's uh, 880 feet, left, right, left, right, lots of boulders in it, lots of things happening, and uh, many pockets along there that hold lots and lots of fish. If I can roll the clock back to the 1600s, there was a genius of a guy your listeners may recall from 10th grade science class. His name was Gene Bernoulli. And his concept, now affectionately called Bernoulli's principle, is speed and volume are inversely proportional. Speed and volume are inversely proportional. Proportional. So the tighter the volume, the faster it goes. The wider the volume, the slower it goes. So when you think water, if it's going faster, it's going to erode. And if it goes slower, it's going to drop its sediment load. By placing boulders, the water goes faster around it and creates a scour pool immediately behind every rock. Great place for a lazy fish to be, because the fish just want to sit where it's quiet and move left and move right and have the food go by them. When it goes slower, it's going to drop the sediment load. So a good design is such that the stream will be self-cleaning. And we actually did this work in 2012. We're a decade into this. So the point bars have matured. They've grown in. We put hundreds and hundreds of willow shoots, five different species in there, creating cover off the point bars. Um, the, the water is really very uh, fishable. 
from just a couple feet in. And of course, you know, you could cast over it in a heartbeat. That's not what you want to do. Uh, so we see a little bit of uro-nymphing, lots of roll casting because we've created some uh, vegetative backdrop to this stream corridor, which you want. So by going faster, it's aerated. By covering it, it's staying cooler. You don't have expanses, so the water temperatures drop. While digging, we found six different thermal refuges. They're springs, subsurface springs coming up. So the water's all cloudy, and all of a sudden, here's this plume of clear water. Where'd that come from? It came from the ground up. And being in the housing science world, I would go out with a thermal imaging gun, shoot the water, and son of a gun, it's a couple of degrees cooler, or, or as many as 10 or 12. Subsurface, the water is probably 52, 54 in the summer. In the winter, it might be 46 to 48 stabilized, while the water on top goes anywhere from 34, and occasionally ice if it's really cold out, uh, to in the summer, we, we'll get it at 71, 2, 3. We, we've not seen it higher than that, but we're monitoring. So you can imagine these thermal plumes popping up are a great place for the fish to find comfort in the summer and warmth in the winter. So they tend to aggregate. And when the water flows drop below 50 CFM, they're going to aggregate on a thermal plume, i.e. a spring. When the water is up, and right now it's at about 125 CFM, the fish tend to distribute themselves around the water better. A great fishing experience. Uh, we have just recently introduced a couple of automatic feeders, which feed overnight, don't bother any of the fishermen. And we supplement that with hand fishing, which tends to get the fish moving around. You get a nice distribution. So the whole thing is really fishable to a point where we have identified 11 unique beats. And a beat would be where you look to the left, you look to the right, think Northern England or Ireland, you know, back to the 1800s. I mean, laddie, there's a beat over there you can fish. And here we are, identifiable places you could put a, a fair amount of pressure on the water and still not see anybody, which makes it a, a great experience yeah. to be on the water. Absolutely. So with all that scraping and scouring and moving of things, I assume all the bugs and were probably eliminated, floated downstream. How long did it take, if at all, for bug life to return and, and hatches get back to normal after you were building? Okay. Believe it or not, near instantaneous. Um, you know, you get a plume because there is flow. So you get a plume where you disturb the water. Uh, but we had a, a sediment uh, screen at the bottom of the property, which will harness sediment as soon as it hits it. What happens with Bernoulli's principle? It slows down. It drops its load. For those who uh, are listening and uh, sensitive and you know, almost everybody has a shop back in their basement. There's a filter called the HEPA filter. Mm -hmm. And in case you were wondering, oh, it pulls all the fine particles out. Well, what that is, it's Bernoulli's principle. It's got a very fine little system, uh, a web in there. And as particles hit that, they go around the back and they drop out of the airflow, just like granular material drops out of a water flow and that's how a HEPA filter works. So, you know, whatever amount of disturbance there might have been was extremely short term. And um, other than scuds that might have been on an old piece of mattress we pulled out, uh, there was You no... have those too? Yeah. We I did. thought the mattress hatch was only in Northern Virginia. <laughs> No, that, I mean, it's surprising what a flood will bring down, but we did clean it and we make, make sure it's maintained in that condition. But I can tell you, I did pull out a mattress uh, section and, and there must have been 30,000 little scuds on it. I mean, it was just wow. covered. Wild. All right, so you mentioned the Euronymphine. Is there a specific beat or style of water that if somebody wants to Euronymph, 
they go there. What kind of water is prime for that? What would you describe that beat as being? Well, uh, truthfully, almost any piece of water, but, uh, it, you know, you can do it. But I, I think you're probably looking for holes and channels as opposed to uh, a float where you'd quarter cast up and you're covering 20, 30 yards of area, Euro-nymphing, you're going to look right in the channel or right behind a rock where there's a higher likelihood of having fish. Uh, in our world, the subsurface structure, we have two inverted weirs, which is rocks that look like a V. You end up with a plunge pool in the middle, which is deeper than anything else and very, very productive. Uh, a little further downstream, we built what's called an auger. So rather than a V shape, it's straight across, but the head of it is going to start eroding and then to the middle and then to the far edge. So it's churning almost if you picture a, uh, uh, you know, a grain mill with an auger in it that's turning, moving material. The water is going to move material and you get a self-cleaning pool. We did that in an intersection of a mill race and the actual river channel. You would think the mill race would dump its sediment load at the end, but having built an auger 15 feet above it, that purges all the sand and fines on a regular basis. So we look forward to high water a couple times a year. And quite frankly, a decade into this, uh, the design has absolutely worked flawlessly. The uh, scour pools are all hollowed out nicely. The rocks, which were buried subsurface, haven't moved an inch. Um, the uh, hard structure has actually carved out, maintained the plunge pools and cleanliness where there would otherwise be sediment fall. And uh, each of these point bars on the side has matured and grown in nicely. We do a lot of willow shoots, as I mentioned, and, and try and get some nice coverage on that. And what would be the ideal rod up there? Seven, six, three weight, eight, six, four weight? Uh, great question. We see all of the above. Uh, we've got a couple of guys out with the uh, nines and tens doing the Euro nymphing across uh, uh, some of the pools and holes. Uh, you know, five, six is pretty standard. There are some fish. Yeah, let's talk about the regularly, fish. Regularly, 22 to Ooh. 25. And, you know, we're not buying those at 75 bucks a piece. We're growing them. And there's a lot of holdovers. We do stock three or four times a year, a couple hundred fish at a shot. So we're putting in plenty. We do have a bald eagle with a nest uh, on the lower end of the property. He has his way with some of the fish, which is fine. I've seen uh, uh, North American otter come through. Uh, we've got beavers, but they're not going to bother the fish. There are some mink. They'll bother them. There's egrets. They'll bother them occasional osprey. So there are definitely predators, but, uh, you know, nothing that uh, a normal ecology wouldn't have, uh, you know, been part of your equation. Right. All along. So what is stocked versus what is naturally occurring and what would be considered a, a bycatch if you're trout fishing? Yep. Uh, great question. Um, Generally speaking, we're putting in uh, what are called Kamloops rainbows. Uh, the species, from my understanding, is uh, from the Northwest. Uh, you know, they they last, they grow. Uh, some of them reproduce. Uh, there are browns in the stream. There are quite a few native brookies. And, you know, it would be pretty surprising to find them bigger than six or seven inches, but uh, we're far enough up in the estuary that uh, there are feeder streams and they will go up in those feeder streams to breed, uh, get a little bit of rain and the eggs are pouring down into the mainstream and some browns will sit at the bottom and feed on those. An egg pattern is pretty reasonable choice 
when you're uh, out there in the right season, we get a fair amount of uh, oddities. I mean, we put in a couple of golden trout, and one of them, I think he's well north of 20 at this point, and maybe a couple of them. You know, we'll work with the hatchery to, you know, if he's got a couple of oddball somethings, you know, we'll put them in just, again, for the novelty of catching them. But uh, the core fish is going to be a rainbow with a backup of browns. And after that, uh, there have been some smallmouths caught, a couple of different uh, species of sunfish, rock bass. Nobody's caught an eel, but they've been bouncing off their, uh, you know, waders once in a while. And if you're out there at night, we do have a couple of guys that really like evening fishing, and they'll stay an hour, hour and a half past at dark and put on some big flies or a, a muddler or a woolly bugger and see what they can come up with. And, you know, there's a different feeding pattern and, uh, you know, you can't be afraid of all hours of the day. You just have to adjust what you're using. Do your fish migrate out to other properties and, and people are like, oh, thank you. We've got supper now, rainbow trout. Yeah, what a, what a great question. Uh, we are uh, just above the first public stocking area, uh, which is along Vernoy Road. Um, and actually, we see the state fish coming up and, and hanging with our guys. Um, you know, it, it makes a difference when water is manicured like that. The aeration's up, the bugs are up. Uh, we do occasionally, as I say, you know, we'll spread some trout pellets uh, with a, a feeder machine or by hand. Uh, so they're well taken care of, but that doesn't make them lethargic or, you know, they're not following you up and down the stream like they would in a hatchery uh, vat. Um, they're pretty aggressive. So do we lose some up and down? Of course, they migrate. I think on balance, a mile water is enough to to have its own little subset of features that it, it's not one pool and when they go out of the pool they never find a way back there's enough going on here that you know it's a thing i won't quite call it a microclimate but it's a special place all right what should a typical angler's fly box look like diverse lots of nymphs we have one of our uh, steering committee members this year. There, there are three of us coordinating this. One, if there were a Babe Ruth of fly fishing, this guy's it. His name is Dave Cumline. He's coming out from Montana. He's the proud dad of a 2009 West Point grad who had the first Orvis franchise west of the Mississippi in 1978. Uh, he started an outfit called Trout Fitters. They have a nice website, troutfitters.com. Uh, Dave Cumline advises that 80 to 90 percent of the fish are going to be caught under the water. So lots of nymphs, bead heads. Uh, Tim Flagler uh, is proud to include a, a mop fly in his box. I mean, you'll see all kinds of stuff. There are some that use streamers, occasionally some uh, terrestrials, you know, grasshopper in the middle of uh, or end of August if it warms up a little bit. We try and lay off when uh, the water gets above 70 or, or flows are down. So when you think of some of that summer uh, junk that uh, falls in the river off leaves, probably too warm to be doing a lot of fly fishing. It stresses the fish. Uh, Dave Cumline has explained to us, and we are uh, pretty sensitive to this, that they're uh, basically the equivalent of adrenaline hits them and, you know, it builds up a little acid when they're being fought. And if they are not uh, netted uh, and restored back to the water, hold them, shake them, get them to stabilize, get that chemical balance right, uh, there's a high likelihood if there is uh, low oxygen in the water because of low flows or or high temperatures, uh, there's going to be a pretty high mortality rate. Right. So therein, if you hadn't looked at our website, shannonsprivatewaters.com, you'll see a tab for ponds. And we were able to 
work a uh, agreement with a local golf course that uh, was laden with water. They had nine ponds. We stocked them all, and it was uh, mostly largemouth bass, 5,000 creek chubs, and one pond that was 22 feet, feet deep. We gave a shot to some uh, rainbow trout, and you know, they lasted a little while, but ponds and rainbow trout are probably not going to breed at all. And basically, the bass ponds now. When the water gets warm, off we go. You know, we're right fish, for, fish for right. bass. One year, the the river was flooding, and we moved our whole New Jersey Fly Fisherman of the Year event, uh, and it became a bass contest. And everybody had a good time. Everybody stayed safe, and uh, we're not fighting floodwaters. So, lots of opportunities to to fly fish, no matter where you are. This year, we have two groups uh, attending. Uh, South Jersey uh, fly fishermen, and there is a Jersey Shore fly fishers, each sending us a representative. Uh, I certainly envision the day, and uh, I don't know that it's uh, 23, but you know, we'd like to create and host a World Series of fly fishing, and New Jersey is absolutely a, a prime candidate to do that. And we envision starting uh, down in South Jersey. Uh, perhaps for pickerel uh, in some of the cranberry bogs and um, modeled after the Audubon's World Series of Birding. You'd then uh, hightail it up to the Jersey Shore and see if you could catch something out of the surf, maybe some blues or see what else you come up with. Over to the uh, Delaware River below Trenton and catch a little bit of uh, some of the migrating uh, fish coming up there, and surely we would entertain uh, closure of the day at Shannon's Private Waters for uh, Rainbow uh, Brook and Brown Trout. The shad come up the Delaware. Yeah. It's a big thing. Fly fishing works, shad darts, and boy, I'll tell you, you could have quite an experience, two-man or four-man uh, and woman teams that work the way around the state. A, another opportunity to demonstrate those great benefits of fly fishing and interacting that uh, befall us all who fall in love with the sport. Who's the gentleman over your right shoulder that's been staring at me this last 40 minutes in the frame? Great question. They are what are called portraits of a gentleman. In the early 1800s, maybe a little before, there were itinerant painters who would make their way around the countryside and paint for food and lodging. Just like there were itinerant weavers that would have a loom on the back of their wagon, they would go out and you would shear your sheep and the guy's coming every spring and he makes you a couple of blankets, you feed him. And, well, these painters would go town to town. They would paint the local politician, industrialist, manufacturer, nicely done, a piece of Americana, the one that's harder to see, a little darker venue, actually has the name Brady on the sleeve. Matthew Brady was a Civil War photographer, and he would tote with him an oil painter. He would take a picture, and then the oil painter could work off of that, freeing up the industrialist politician so he didn't have to sit for three days for the Right. Day. And, uh, you know, that's... I don't know how many of those are around, but there can't be many of them that he actually did and had a painter behind him. So I've been buying these off an auction site and um, small investment in America's fine history. All right. Well, let's talk about this event that's coming up. So November 5th, which is a week from tomorrow, and this will be out in time. So people will Hopefully know about it. How did it start? Tell us the history, the itinerary, who's going to be there. Sure. Everything. Happy, happy to do that. Well, first of all, um, it is a public event. So if your listeners would like to come and visit, we would welcome them to do that. Um, happy to have them. We do ask, uh, you know, we have a little registration, shannonsprivatewaters.com and the registration link, um, you know, we'll get you squared away for a lunch. Uh, we have a little cider and donuts reception for the winners and uh, 
if they're really going to come and want breakfast and hang for the day, uh, you ought to let me know just so I get the count right. But it is a public event. We welcome you uh, and your listeners to come see what's going on. Um, the format is two, four man, including a woman, minimum, teams. Uh, each of them will fish uh, one of eight beats in several segments. We draw for the beats. Probably not much of an advantage to one or the other, but some of the beats do hold some big fish. And we make that a completely random drawing in the morning. Uh, of interest, we have eight uh, judges who are professional guides or on our board. Uh, we are sliding just a little bit of that uh, emphasis to uh, retired military guys. And I'm telling you, generals and admirals are uh, going to be all over this event uh, this year and and into the future. Uh, they love supporting the kids and the uh, academies and um, retired uh, General John Sattler will be there. Uh, he, uh, he's got a Wikipedia page and, and he's a real Marine Corps guy. Um, Dave Cumline, of course, is coming out from Montana. Scott Spiker is coming up from Texas. Uh, we've got a couple of really capable guys uh, uh, doing some work. Bart Lombardo, who's got a panfish on mm -hmm. the fly website. He's going to be there running it. Uh, Brian Cowden, who's troutscapes.com, a designer and a builder of streams. Um, and all these guys are donating their time to, to work with the kids. And, you know, I'll show them a few pointers and get them comfortable with the day. And I think it's a great way for all of us to express our appreciation to them for the service they're about to lead. Uh, we do count and measure every single fish they catch. It has to be a trout. Um, and total inches matters. By lunchtime, we will cut to the top two contestants from each of the schools, have a nice little uh, lunch and uh, a debriefing and a, a chance for each of them to introduce themselves to those that are there and tell us what they're using and what experience they had in the morning. The afternoon rounds of four finalists will go out on a couple of our prime beats that uh, actually sit on a little bit of a peninsula. It's a reverse S curve that comes through the property so we'll be sitting on one of those uh, points, uh, plenty of viewing uh, and spectator space. Uh, we do maintain a little chimney out there with a fire going, and uh, we won't discourage a couple of cocktails in the crowd if they have, uh, you know, doesn't get out of hand, but uh, a flask when it's 46 degrees is sometimes part of the scenery. Uh, those four will compete in the afternoon, wipe the score clean, not cumulative for the day, start again in the finals, uh, tally the score with a crisp stop at three o'clock. We'll retreat to a, uh, again, a reception back in a fully restored 1850s barn. Um, and there will be uh, some prizes for the winning team and winning members of the team, uh, First Command, who is uh, a financial services company uh, specializing in military service with a, a banking division, a brokerage division, and insurance division, has stepped up nicely this year. And they are uh, putting together some logo wear for the kids and some... Uh, Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Orvis products, which uh, we much appreciate, and uh, we've got uh, some what are called uh, taco bags that are coming out of uh, another vendor, and mu again, much appreciate all of this stuff that uh, make for a really nice day uh, for the kids, and 
wrap, and they'll be they'll be back home before uh, dark. And Rebel is called for the next day's uh, workload. Fantastic. So they say you you can't control the fishing, but you can control lunch. So what's on the menu to fuel up halfway through the day? Well, the New Jersey Parents Club, which has been running this tailgate since '82. Uh, has a number of folks that really go out and up, uh, above and beyond. They are stepping up once again. I can tell you that there's one particular fellow who probably needs to have his name called out. Uh, his name is Larry Davis. Larry collects cast iron uh, pots and pans from 100 years ago. And along the way, he has developed a chili recipe and he actually won the New Jersey State Chili Cook-Off. Where did that come from? I have no idea. But here we are doing fishing. He does chili. A nice blend. He has a wonderful uh, Navy history. He was enlisted as a radioman for eight years. His son went through the Naval Academy class of 2021. He's a submarine officer. His daughter enlisted, went through the uh, language schools. She's a China specialist. Um, uh, and, uh, he is out there making chili for these kids. And we've got, uh, several families, um, the Morels, uh, hosting the, uh, West Point kids, the Heisingas and, um, the Corbett's who are hosting the, uh, Navy kids, uh, putting them up in their houses, bringing them breakfast, bringing them lunch. It's, it. When you talk about a military family in the big picture, this is actually watching the rubber meet the road. This is watching the genes and the chromosomes all define what America's best have to offer. And that's this volunteerism and, and this service. It, we don't overlook that one iota. In fact, the more of these things we can do to enhance that interaction, uh, you know, the better the public is, quite frankly, with the uh, 2.4 million people in the service. And at any given time, there might be 10 percent of those out actually on deployment. Uh, I've got two son-in-laws out right now and a, and a daughter out in the Atlantic somewhere. And two guys are off. Of, I can't even tell you where because they don't tell me, but it's a Middle East destination. You know, the public is unaware of what these kids are actually doing and, you know, get to meet them and mix it up. They're, they're really fine, fine young men and women who have a heart to serve and uh, whatever we can do to support that. And, uh, you know, the jousting of Army and Navy is really 100 percent in jest once they're out doing what they do and working together. Uh, along the way, having a little Army-Navy fun and the Army-Navy football. And I think there are 36 events they compete in against each other, about uh, a dozen and a half or what they call N-star games. Or it rises to another whole level of competition. Here we've now introduced uh, fly fishing. We do not have that official designation yet, but it, it's on our radar to poke around the uh, channels of administration, see if we can get this uh, the status of this event to roll up a little bit. Uh, it's certainly an annual event, and, and we will continue it as long as they can get their moving order, as it's called, and leave the campus. We find a weekend when they don't have obligations of a uh, home football game on either school, and uh, we've had a lot of support. So the lunch is going to be robust. Uh, we'll certainly work with uh, a brand, Jersey Mike's, for some sandwiches. We've got the chili. The The cider comes from um, an apple farm, which is called Ryamede Farms. I have a website, ryamedefarms.com. My eldest daughter, who just got out two years ago, ended up buying an apple farm, and she's got almost 4,000 trees and wow, that's 36 so cool. employees in season and they do cider and donuts. And I think there are several dozen varietals of apples and she's going to come over and talk to them about service and chat them up a little bit about deployment and uh, participate. Another daughter lives down the road from this and is uh, working on uh, sustaining a local fly shop that's uh, an unfolding story at the moment but she flew p8s and 
four different uh, continents. And, uh, you know, this is a great interaction with the kids to meet uh, younger uh, adults who serve, uh, you know, a lot of our judges are, uh, you know, retirees, but it, it's a nice blend across the board. And fly fishing has been a wonderful place for everyone to land. Uh, Dave Cumline will talk to them about the physiology and benefits of lowering your heart rate and, you know, getting in the moment for a little while in your life. Uh, we do host a couple of events with uh, wounded warriors casting for recovery. And, and I think most of your listeners are well aware, if not the physiology, the psychology of uh, fly fishing and, and why it really is good for you. For the clubs, how are they outfitted? Because these are kids, they're in school and they're donating their time to the country. So hopefully they're not going out and buying all of this, their waders and rods themselves. Is there an organization or, or private donors or listeners that if they want to help out and, and outfit somebody, how are these the kids at Army and Navy getting their gear? Well, that's a great question. Um, the, the folks at Orvis have just really been uh, stand up in that regard. Uh, they've had a relationship for a number of years with uh, the West Point Club. Uh, I would say it is evolving at this point uh, for the Navy kids. They've been uh, scavenging and borrowing from one another, uh, most of which, you know, really don't get a chance to get out that much. And that's not a hardship. It's just their schedule is 26 hours a day. And, you know, getting a moving order. We had a uh, one of the young cadets uh, come down uh, from West Point last year. She said she hadn't been out of uniform since June. Since June. So, and this is November. So you're talking about five months. In a year. She felt great just putting on a flannel shirt and jeans and, and coming down and you know, they're not going to West Point with their fly gear anticipating free time. I can tell you at uh, Navy in, in their first year, they get 10 hours a week off and that's it. And most of that goes to a sponsor parent uh, house. There's a network of a couple of thousand families in the 25 mile radius where the kids can go and and wear civilian clothes and, you know, hang for dinner with a, a family. Uh, and they'll often stick with these sponsor parents for uh, the duration of their career. I can tell you all my kids uh, hooked up with a, uh, a family. It was two retired Navy captains, uh, Dave uh, Hoffman and uh, his wife, MJ. Uh, she was in the supply side. He was an aviator. Uh, he actually uh, spent a little time in the Hanoi Hilton, and uh, they've run over oh. 200 kids through uh, their house. And, wow. you know, it was an honor for us to get to know them and spend time with them. He still comes to these Navy, Navy tailgates. He runs the scoreboard at home games. Um, there is a network out there that is is deep and rich, and, and most uh, listeners may not uh, fathom or have access to that, but here's a chance if you're a fly fisherman, you want to come out and support these kids or, you know, meet them during the day, sit, have lunch, watch them fish, see whether you can learn something or teach them something. Either both ends of the equation is uh, uh, available and boy, we look forward to sharing the good word of Army and Navy and uh, maybe one of these days we toss an Air Force team on a plane and bring them out as well. Go out to fish with them. They're right on the water, all along the front range. They are indeed. Yeah. You mentioned earlier you've been to some exotic places fishing. What were some of your spots you traveled in your that you're allowed to tell? Well, yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I guess a couple of times uh, some decades ago, I was up in Ungaba Bay, uh, a couple of exotic trips. Uh, you know, fishing for Arctic char and there's some lake trout up there and, um, you know, five bazillion black flies. I can tell you that okay. uh, head net, uh, 24 seven. I've, uh, fished out of a dugout canoe, uh, in the Amazon, but that's 
you know, not flies, it's a treble hook and you're yanking them from underneath as fast as you can stir the water with the, an Ibaru Indian uh, in the front and boy, you don't want to fall out of that thing. Uh, I'm sure there's more exotic trips, but that was 40 years ago. So, you know, I, I won't say I've had my fill of exotic fishing, but sharing it with others and uh, creating an environment uh, here in metropolitan New York and Philadelphia, we're only an hour and change from both those markets. And you wouldn't think there's that much access to such great water, but there absolutely is. And uh, my side of the rod has been uh, helping others get started the last uh, two decades anyway, and working with Shannon's Flying Tackle in Califon. Uh, it's been a pleasure. They aggregate the guides, put people on the water, and, and we host and maintain the waters for them. That's awesome. Well, we're going to start wrapping this up after this. This is, I mean, beyond the most impromptu podcast that I've ever done. But who's got the best sandwich up near you? If someone's going to fish on the water up there, where should they get a sandwich on the way to? What a nice question. You know, the town of Califon, which is shortened from the 1800s, California, there's a little bit of a history to it, hosts a literally an 1800s building that has the Califon General Store. A guy named Don Freebergs is there. He worked there as a stock boy. I'd say he's in his late 50s at this point. They make a handful of great sandwiches. And if you're going to come up and fish, you want to be a native from day one. Um, and Don will take good care. You're going to walk in. It could be 1920. It could be 1947 or 19. 88. It is a timeless place. He's a butcher by trade and runs a nice, quiet little uh, general store. Uh, you'll get a real good feel instantly of rural New Jersey with some of these hamlets and throwbacks that may or may not have had their own little church or one room schoolhouse. There's still a bunch of them that are populated out here in Hunter and Warren, Sussex County. And and we'd welcome any of your listeners to come and visit. We do not, uh, on our waters, have uh, a daily rod fee. There's a guest fee. If you if you know one of the members, they could bring you out. But there's tons of great water. And, um, you know, certainly encourage you to come out and work either the Black River, uh, the South Branch, or the Muscanet Gong, all run up to the Delaware. And the northerly de Delaware is just loaded with good, fine waters. Fantastic. Well, Bill, this has been an honor and, and very interesting and very unexpected. And I know who your celebrity doppelganger is now. The captain from Chips. If you were in khaki right now, you would look like the captain from Chips. Well, I'll go with it. I don't know who that is. Uh, oh, forgive me, but uh, Rob John? has done a great job hosting. I, I appreciate the, the fluid uh, flow of your questions and, and I do hope your listeners I understand you've got a great following and, and I think they'll a lot find of good looking people too they're all very yeah. handsome nice I like strong that. yeah they're great anglers and they're beautiful people well you keep up the good work and uh, you know you're opening doors to people that uh, need a little more time on the water and uh, all of us can use that and chill a little bit so Thanks for doing what you do, and uh, thank you to all your listeners for paying a little bit of attention to the Army-Navy fighters. Uh, Fantastic. Thanks for your time again. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.
Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. So it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun. Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.